Welcome to the Seek Forgiveness Podcast. Seek Forgiveness for Launch Mental Health Ki Hunda here. A transformative translation guide that looks to explore and explain common mental health issues in a way that Sikh and Punjabi speaking communities can understand. If you'd like to find out more, please visit SikhForgiveness.com. If you're in the UK, you can purchase directly from the website. If you're looking to purchase internationally, please check out Amazon. Thank you for joining us today, Bali. Um... I'm really looking forward to knowing your journey with mental health and being a South Asian male, how your journey has been into sharing how your mental health has improved from poor mental health to good mental health. So please introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah, no worries. So I'm Bali Chima. I'm a two-time world powerlifting champion and I have recently just come out and uh, spoke about a time in my life when I suffered with my mental health. So you're a that's that's impressive. I didn't know you were a powerlifting champion. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. That one quiet. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, well, the link's in the bio in my, in my Instagram. Um, so, um, but yeah, so yeah, it, it was it was a while ago. Um, I, I became a two weight world powerlifting champion um, when I was uh, under eighteen. Uh, so I was seventeen one year and I think 18 one year um but yeah so I, I competed in drug-free powerlifting so a, a tested federation where we get tested for anabolic steroids and any kinds of drugs or or whatever and um so yeah so I've been powerlifting for since I was 15 I'm 33 now so I've been powerlifting since I was about 15 so I've been doing it for a long long time Wow. How did you get into powerlifting? So it's actually my dad. My dad uh, was into powerlifting. He was lugging around big, heavy weights. And uh, as a young kid, I was quite a skinny, skinny child. And uh, I used to just look at him as this great mountain of a man (laughs) and uh, see him lifting weights and stuff. And I used to just pop down to the gym with him at an early age and uh, just see him training and stuff like that and sort of just motivated me to initially I just wanted to get big and start getting into you know getting the old biceps going and making sure that I look good Um, but then before I know it I fell in love with the sport of powerlifting. Did you did you feel any pressure from your dad to go into powerlifting? No not 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 whatsoever to be honest I I don't think I didn't think he thought that I was going to go into powerlifting because as I mentioned before I was quite a skinny skinny kind of kid Um, I was always tired all the time Um, so I don't think he ever expected me to go into any kind of sport. You started powerlifting at 15? Yeah. When did you realise that your mental health was declining? Oh a long long time after Um, so what actually happened was I got married in 2014 and I decided to take a break from competitive powerlifting um I just wanted to spend some time with my wife and you know just enjoy life rather than focusing on on powerlifting and, and competitions because in a powerlifting season usually you have four competitions a year um and a powerlifting cycle cycling up to a competition you're looking at eight to twelve weeks so it's quite intense throughout the year um because you're you're focusing on your diet and so on and so forth and then mentally you're focusing on lifting and, and hitting the weights you want to hit. So it's quite, 
it's quite demanding. Um, and I thought to myself, do you know what? I, I had my last one back in May 2013, and I actually got married in July 2014. So I decided that that was going to be my last one uh, for a few years. And to be honest, I didn't really have an idea of when I was going to come back to powerlifting or if I was going to come back to powerlifting. Um, but then after about a year or two into um, being married, it felt like there was something missing in my life. I was, you know, family life was good. Everything was going well, but there was something missing in my life. And I felt like I needed to do something as in I, I needed to compete in something or do something. But I think really that's where my mental health started to initially start to affect me, where I was looking at ways, blaming things, thinking, oh, why am I feeling down? I didn't realise it was mental health I was, I was suffering with. I was just blaming it on everything else, to be honest. Um, mainly probably alcohol I was blaming it on. I'm not a massive don't drink every single day or anything like that. But on the weekends, I probably indulge a bit more than I normally would do. So I was blaming it on that. And then I thought to myself, I'll start boxing because um, I wanted to get fit because I felt like I put on a bit of weight, um, but not in the not in the right way. And uh, so I started boxing training, which I really enjoyed. I was doing well uh, with regards to the training, but it was still something there that wasn't sort of ticking the box for me. Something that just felt a bit empty inside. I then come to realise after probably about six, seven months of doing the boxing, I realised that I need to compete again because I've done it for so long. And all of a sudden, I've just taken a clean break from it. So I knew that to make myself effectively feel better, I need to start doing something again. And, and, and so I decided to compete uh, again in 2016. Uh, the plan was I was going to compete in November. But what happened was I rushed it through. Um, I put it all over my social media that I'm making a comeback, put quite a bit of pressure on myself, to be honest. In hindsight, I probably shouldn't have done that. And um, basically ended up getting injured. The injury was fairly a bad injury to which where I went to the doctors and they sort of said that it looks like you've torn a tendon, which has come straight off the bone between your, your pec and your shoulder. So it's quite a bad injury because my bicep actually went black. I've never had, never experienced anything like that before. So, um, so then the next process was was getting surgery done on it, um, and then I knew I was going to be out for months. As in, I couldn't even box. I can I can do any kind of training really. That's what I was thinking in my head. I wasn't ever really much of a cardio kind of guy, and so it's always been some kind of weights or like or, or punching a bag or something. At that point, it started declining basically, where I started to feel down. So it was, it was like a withdrawal symptom from the competition side more than the exercise yeah. side. Yeah, I'd um, say so, yeah. I mean, it's funny you mentioned this because a lot of the examples we tend to use with um, seek forgiveness is the lack of support sportsmen get from taking a break from their, their livelihood, like sports, um, or if they have an injury, because they dedicate their life to that. It's their work, it's their love, it's their dream. But if it's an injury, what kind of aftercare do they get? Because you're not just supporting your physical health. It's also your mental health that you need to support. Um, and I think you've just given that prime example of you had the surgery and you were experiencing the physical pain and the transition from that, but you weren't really aware of the mental impacts that it was having. I didn't, I didn't it got to the point where I'd had the surgery and I was signed off work for about, I think it was, and, um, 
my first day back, I, I was waiting for my wife to get home and she got back and she saw me and she looked at me and she turned around. And she goes, what's the matter with you? You look depressed. I go, I think I am. And we just laughed it off. But not knowing that something was fundamentally wrong or something wasn't going right. I think within like the South Asian community, it's, it's not something that somebody would openly accept when you react to, oh, yeah, I think I might be depressed or I might be struggling. It's not a normal conversation. After you both laughed it off, what was the next step into acknowledging you needed help? It was, it was, um, it was quite a long process, to be honest, because what happened was that was that sort of time where I sort of felt a bit low, but didn't really think it was my mental health was deteriorating, or I didn't see anything or out there thinking, oh, actually, I've got the symptoms of that, and is my mental health deteriorating? I just thought to myself, do you know what? Uh, I can't train, so that's what's affecting me. Once I'm back training again, I'll be okay. I just need to ride it out for a little bit longer. But then in December, my wife gave me the amazing news that we were expecting our first child. So injury or no injury, that was all out the window. But, you know, again, powerlifting took a back step. I've got more interesting things coming up. I've got my I've got a child on the way. So again, up until till August the following year, 2017, when my daughter Nimrod was born, by that time, I'd been getting re- rehabilitation on my shoulder and stuff. And I, I was able to do some form of training, not go heavy on stuff, but I was able to do some form of training where I could do a little bit of weights and so on and so forth. But it was still sort of annoying me that I was going to the gym and I wasn't nowhere near to the level that I was, but that was sort of blocked out thinking, you know, I've got, I've got a child on the way from there on after it was, it was all good. It was fine. As, as in, well, it wasn't fine, but it was, I'd sort of blocked it all out. Um, because there was the big distraction there. It was only afterwards, after my daughter was born in August, I'd probably say a few months afterwards, that I started getting that feeling back again, that whole emptiness and that feeling down and not knowing what's going on with myself to the point where it got so bad where I was emotionally breaking down. So but I didn't know what was going on. So the frustrating part was I didn't know what was going on with me because I was thinking, what the hell's going on with me? Because I just thought to myself, why is this happening to me? Clearly, it's not happened to anybody else. But yeah, so when it got to the point where I was breaking down like once every few months or so to the point where my wife would ask me why I'm breaking down and I'd be like, I don't know. But it was just a case of something inside me was sort of bubbling up and exploding. I'd, I'd, I'd yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd have a breakdown. I'd feel crap that, at that moment. And then I'll be okay again for a couple of months. But then it got to the point where it happened every few months or so to the point where I was making all these excuses. But then it got to the point where my wife thought, do you know what? This is something seriously not right here. You need to seek help in some kind of way. And uh, so, yeah, so then I decided to to go to the doctors and uh, actually seek some help. And even then, I was trying to make excuses. I went to the doctors and I was telling him that my shoulder's dodgy. My shoulder was actually all right. Um, but it was only when he asked me again, so he asked me the second time around as I was about to leave, are you sure you're okay, that I was then able to sort of tell him, no, actually, I'm not I'm not feeling too good. Um, and I don't know why I feel like this. But yeah, thankfully, the doctor that I had was amazing. He was really, really good and really supportive and explained the whole situation. Um how normal it is and so on and so forth so that second question really helped you open up the yeah, barriers that the you second question. down on yeah 
So you were on a, a massive roller coaster of feelings over a good few six to seven months of, yeah, or even probably longer than that. Yeah, probably um, longer. How did it make you feel when your your wife had said, "Actually, look, we do really need to go see somebody"? How did you feel at that moment in time? It got to the point, to be honest, where I thought to myself, "Do you know what? I can't carry on living like this because." If there is something wrong with me, then what's the harm in me reaching out and speaking to a doctor? It's confidential. There's nobody else that's going to know. So I've got nothing to lose. And I thought, surely it's going to be better than the way that I am at the moment. And even still, I just thought to myself, nobody will need to know. It'll just be to the doctors, I'll talk to him. And he'll then suggest whatever he suggests, which he suggested, obviously, the the root of either medication or I've got therapy and so on and so forth. And I went down the therapy route and even still I had my doubts. I had my doubts when I spoke to my wife, I had my doubts. I, I, I didn't actually think that it would help me in any kind of way talking to a stranger about my issues because I didn't know at the time what my issue was. The issue was, is only when we, when I spoke about it and we delved into it further that it, the issue was the void that was left from powerlifting. But I, d- I didn't know that was the case at the time because everything at that point in time in my life was actually going really well. You know, I've just had a little daughter. I'm happily married. Why am I feeling like this? So they're professionals for a reason. And there's a reason why it works. And there's a reason why these um, these therapists and consultants are out there for what they do. So in some sense, the training and your powerlifting was was your time. It was your zone. Um, and even though you had all these additional um, new paths open up in your life, it was that missing puzzle that you missed and the injury kind of put you out in a way that you didn't expect. Yeah. So after you had spoken with the doctor and picked a, a suitable route for you, i.e. therapy, how did that first initial step go when you had your first counselling session? It was like going to the first day of school. <laughs> I was actually really nervous. I was so nervous. <laughs> the, the, the reason I say that, it was actually in a school, actually. It was in it was in like a, in an outbuilding of a school. Um, and I was like really nervous, like, oh, my God, what, you know, what to expect <laughs> and what the hell, what are they going to ask me? And are they going to... You know, you, sometimes you see it in the movies that, like, you know, people go to see a shrink and you're like, oh, my God, are they going to pull out diagrams? Or am I going to be lying on a bed and they're going to be talking to me? <laughs> I, just thought, I just thought to myself, oh, my God, what the hell? Like, it was it was the unknown. It was the unknown. And uh, it was far from that. It was far from that. It was literally, I went in there. I went in there and we just spoke. I just just spoke and just, you know, told told the therapist how I felt and what was going on. Before I knew it, I'd really opened up and the session was already over. And I was like, blimey, this was really good. And then I walked out of there really upbeat. And then I was looking forward to my next session, actually, because I was like, actually, I want to talk about it. Because even though she didn't actually say anything to me, really, I sort of opened up. But once I opened up, it sort of gave me a pathway where I thought, ah, hold on, I might be able to get to the bottom of this. And it just it was just like a like a light bulb moment where I just thought, oh, okay, I might be able to do this. And then actually it probably had the other the other effect on it where I was constantly thinking, oh, actually, maybe I need to think like this, and maybe I need to think like that. And and what am I going to take to the next session and so on and so forth. So so yeah, after the first one, thankfully it was uh, it was a good experience. Do you think therapy is an underrated tool? Massive. Massively. 
humongously. I thought to myself, like I said, me personally, I was thinking to myself, I think if my if my if my wife didn't give me that support to say, you've got nothing to lose, just go. I personally think I probably wouldn't have gone, to be honest, because the way I was thinking in my head was, I'm going to talk to some random about my feelings. How is that going to help me in any kind of way? There's obviously there's 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 different types of therapy. So the first first one I did was CBT. So they sort of explain around how your thought process and you know how you should be thinking and and so on and so forth, which was really beneficial to me. Later on, um, I'll go into a bit a bit further. I actually did um, more more of the counselling kind of thing. So now I feel like I'm fully equipped and I know what I'm doing if I sort of go into this this hole effectively. Um, you know, I've got the coping mechanisms there. And the biggest thing is, is it's free. Well, you know, if there's anyone that's suffering, it's free. It's free. You know, you could, you know, you don't have to pay for these, uh, for these things. I mean, especially through the NHS, which is, which is amazing. And do you know what? It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's done wonders for me. It has done wonders for me. I think well, that's one of the things that we as individuals in the UK as well is we we just don't utilise maybe enough. Yes, there is a wait time. Yes, there is um, some flaws to it, but everything does. When you look at other countries who are really struggling with mental health or any support services, they would welcome such free services like CBT and therapy um, yeah. and guidance that we get from professionals yeah. who are trained to provide that support. And we should really utilize them, you know. Um, therapy is very underrated. It's a space, one of the things we recommend is a space for you, which is what we don't have. And it's not one of those things where, you know, you're you're going there and you're revealing all your secrets because you can't talk to anyone else about it. <laughs> that's that's not the that's not the case. Do you know what I mean? So nobody has to worry thinking, hold on, I've I don't know, maybe committed 150 murders and that's why I've gone there to sort of talk about it. Uh, because I can't talk to anyone else about it. That's that's not the case. It's they're they're professionals for a reason, and they know what triggers they need to sort of press for you to get to the point for you to open up. And also, as you mentioned, you know, you were able to reflect on the feelings that you were giving an airtime to, whereas you wouldn't have given them to before. So feelings you're able to openly share and reflect on and say actually do you know maybe I could have done this this a bit differently and next session I want to do this so how many do you still have counseling and therapy now or no so um so I had well I think it was five or six sessions the first time um Mm -hmm. and then I came out of there a new man effectively felt like like it just felt like a weight lifted off my shoulders I mean look at the end of the day there's me raving about therapy that worked for me. It might not be the case for everybody else. Some people might prefer the medication route. And I know people that have gone down the medication route and it's worked for them as well. So whatever works. Um, but for me, my personal preference was going down that route. I then came out of there and I was on cloud nine and it was just, I just, the way that I looked at life was completely different to the way it was before. And I wasn't having these breakdowns and I was, I was in a good place. I then decided to make a comeback sensibly into powerlifting and um, 
I came back into powerlifting and I just completely competed in one of the lifts, which was the deadlift. And uh, I'd done really well at that. And uh, and yeah, so I, I won by category. I qualified for the, um, the next stage, which was the British. But then um, a thing called COVID hit. So um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to fulfill the next step. But, you know, I'm still motivated to um, to crack on towards the end of this year, hopefully lift. The reason I, I mentioned that it wasn't the be all and the end all that I've had therapy and that's it, everything's all good and I'm the happiest man in the world again. That's not the case. So my uncle actually passed away and I was very close to him. And with him passing away, uh, after he passed away, I went into quite a bit of a dark hole again, let's just say. And But this time I sort of knew rather sooner than later, even though it's probably worse than what I was before, I knew that I needed to seek help and I knew the avenues I needed to sort of go down. And this time I then went down the counselling route rather than the CPT route. So again, I had therapy then and then I then came out the other end. Yeah, so in a good place again. But I think with with mental health, if you if you suffer with your mental health, the biggest kind of um, thing that I'd, I'd probably want to say on there is once you've got your help, however you've got your help, you do need to carry on working on it. And it's not something that... It's a one-time fix, unfortunately. But the beauty of getting help and seeking help is if you do sort of fall, feel like you're falling back into that hole again, you can sort of lift yourself up and think, actually, I've got these avenues and this is what I need to do to get myself back on track again. It's the coping mechanisms, basically. Mm. It's building on, and as you said, avenues to continue on uh, on your mental health journey to be to be able to find those those support services that you need. So my next question is, as a South Asian male, why is it so important to talk about your mental health? Why is it so important to give that voice? So the reason I actually decided to come out and talk about it was because, was predominantly because of that. 99% of it is because of that. Because as you're aware, people in our community do not talk about mental health. It's something that they don't talk about. They shy away from the subject. If you mention the word mental health, it just you know, you can't openly talk about it. It's the pride, it's the ego kind of thing. In late 2019 is when I put up a post when of me bench pressing after a very long time. And I actually put on there that I've suffered with my mental health. So the reason I did that was so people can sort of see in our community that if someone like myself who is physically strong, who is a world powerlifting champion and so on and so forth. If he can open up and talk about his mental health that he's suffered in the past, I'm just hoping that with me opening up, it sort of helps others open up and think, actually, do you know what? Bally's spoken about it. Bally suffered with it. Bally's went through a dark time in his life, but he's now come out the other end and he's still lifting big weights and he's still competing and, and so on and so forth. So that was the aim of me coming out to talk about my mental health, which then led to setting up my podcast, which is uh, Bali Chima Lift Your Life, where I try and talk to people um, from various different backgrounds who have suffered with some kind of adversity in their life. And I guess it's, it's kind of like breaking down that stigma of always it's having a massive to be stigma. a strong man. Yeah, 
it's that massive it's that it's that stigma that i i want to break down to be honest i want to break those those, those stereotypes and those stigmas around mental health and especially in our community because there are so many people unfortunately that are committing suicide at the moment and are going through a hard time and predominantly if you have a look at the 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 statistical side of things a lot of people in a lot of men especially in the south asian community are committing suicide and why is that because they're suffering with their mental health in some way or another i mean i was in a position where i was i wasn't at the stage thankfully i wasn't at the stage where i wanted to end it all and you know commit suicide i wasn't at that stage i was you know mine was more anxiety and just feeling down um which was which was killing me inside to be honest but there's so many people that are that are in in such a worse worse kind of way than what i was and it's all about education because i've i've noticed while this journey that i've been i started this podcast and everything back in january so i've only been doing it for a short time but when i speak to people and i say to um that you know i suffered with my mental health have you ever suffered with your mental health straight away the barriers come up no 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 i've never suffered with my mental health i've never wanted to commit suicide and you're just like there you go that's the education piece because mental health does not mean that yes that's an aspect of it and this is what i keep on banging on about it it's an aspect of it suicide is one aspect of it but you know anxiety and depression and so on and so forth that is also mental health and like for me i didn't know that i was suffering with anxiety i just thought that i was just feeling down and not too good for a matter of months and i didn't realize that when i was having these breakdowns it's 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 a build up of stuff which is breaking me down i think it's really important for once you're aware of what mental health is is to ask those questions around you if they know what mental health is because those who don't know yeah immediately will shrug it off and say oh it's I don't have that. I've, I've never experienced it. So I'm fine. I'm fine. And the excuses begin to show. But it's really giving them the example of, okay, so for, for an exercise purpose, if somebody's a, a keen gym goer, and I think COVID's a prime example, actually, all the gyms have been closed, people have really struggled. And there's 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 been like, two separate scenarios of people have either preferred staying in and not do the exercise, which has meant they're mental health has slightly deteriorated or they've adapted and continued their their exercise regimes and realized that actually they don't need to go to the gym and giving them that element of I can still continue doing the things that I love is just trying to find a way to doing them but those who don't find um that are at home exercises or their workout regimes suitable they really struggle because they miss that connection they miss the the routine and I think a lot of sportsmen find find that difficult anyway it's that routine of not having that drive to to meet their goals or compete or feel that adrenaline to come back or um, everything's routine I agree with you everything it comes down yeah it comes down to routine and even for me in the in the first initial lockdown I was just thinking to myself well I can't train properly I, you know, I haven't got all the equipment at home. I've, I've got bits and bobs. Luckily, I've still got some bits and bobs. But I was thinking to myself, as a powerlifter, you know, well, you know, everyone's going out for walks and stuff. That doesn't really, you know, that doesn't tick my box, to be honest. I, I you know, I can't really motivate myself to do that. So what the hell am I going to do? But eventually I realised that, okay, I need to just work on things that I wouldn't normally work on. So 
if it means working on my stamina, I need to go for walks, then I sort of implement that in there, that I need a routine. And you feel better for that. But prime example is is, is after this, this bank holiday weekend, I didn't really do much, to be honest. And yesterday, yeah, yesterday, I just felt like not motivated, didn't want to do anything. And I sort of knew to, thought to myself, do you know what? My mind sort of saying to me, don't do anything, sit in front of the TV and just keep on <laughs> falling asleep and having a nap or whatever. Um, but um, there was something inside of me sort of telling me, I need to get out, I need to get out. So I did. You know, like after work, I thought, right, no, I can either, if I sit in front of the TV now, that's it, I'm going to be sitting there and then I'm going to not feel too great tomorrow and it's going to carry on going on and on and on. So I got myself out and I went out for like a quick 20 minute, uh, 30 minute walk, popped to the grocery um, store and picked up a few bits and bobs. And then I came back. Then I put my phone to the side because I was like, I don't want too much of, I know what works for me now. And like too much of being on my phone and stuff like that. I put that to a side and I watched a kid's film with my daughter last night and we had a slumber party and it was great. Um, so 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 yeah and like this morning I've wo- I woke up and I was quite motivated I haven't been for a walk or anything today but because of yesterday I'm in a better place because I'm thinking to myself do you know what I'm glad what I've done and it's and that's what it is because that's why the coping mechanisms are so important because yesterday I was at the point where my mind was really really telling me not to go out and do anything not to do anything at all um but there was something inside of me that was sort of saying no you need to go out because you will feel better for it so that's why it's so important to um to get out and about and it literally is just trying to grab onto that positive thought because there's so many negative thoughts running around in your head and there's always that one bright spark that's your positive thought that you kind of just miss slightly because it's so far yeah you, you, you need to grab that as grab soon as you possibly that. can and just go. <laughs> no question. I think the, the, the funniest, funniest is, is, is sometimes I've been going, going for a walk with one of my uncles and he goes like in the morning, right? And he goes to me, he goes, like, why do you go so early in the morning? And he goes, because he goes, I get up, right? And he goes, before my mind even says to me, stay in bed for a bit longer or um, actually it's cold outside or anything before he goes anything even comes into my head he goes I've got my clothes on and he goes I'm out the door and that really sort of resonated with me because I was like actually do you know what you've got a point because if you think about it if you try doing this you set your alarm and you say I'm going for a walk tomorrow morning and you haven't got your stuff ready I guarantee you 90% of the time 99% of the time you probably won't go because if you give your mind time to think it's sort of like it's it's crazy it's it's crazy. It's funny you say that because that's one of the things I used to do when um, yeah. just before lockdown or, you know, a few years ago, I used to pack all my gym stuff in the car, including yeah. my hairbrush or my makeup or anything that I needed to even face cream to the point of even if I get up late, I still have to get up and it's cold and go outside and get my stuff. I used to pack yeah. everything in the car. So I had no other option but to get up. And if I was up at that early, then I have to go to the gym anyway. So it's yeah. like a process of trying to prepare yourself on what you need to do. But yeah, I think during lockdown, even for myself, it's been a struggle to get back into that routine hmm. um, and how having to do that. But has you getting back into your powerlifting and your exercise routines, even your, your walking, 
has that made you more resilient and manage your mental health better? Yeah, massively, massively. Um, it's played a massive effect in it. I never thought walking, just going for a walk, makes such a difference. It's again, if, if we go back to what I was talking about earlier about uh, therapy and so on and so forth, I didn't realize how much of a benefit it is. So I didn't go for a walk um, about a week. This is sounded really bad now, isn't it? About my walking routine. I'm, I'm never walking, am I really? Um, but. <laughs> But I didn't go for about a week or so. I, I I decided to go one day and I literally got about halfway up my road and it was just like, a wow, I'm so glad I've come out. And I'm just like, it sort of just hit me where I was thinking, I really needed to do that. We really need to just get out. Have you been so open around your mental health journey with your family? Yeah, a bit, but me, to be honest, with my external family, um, I sort of did mention that I was going to start doing stuff uh, around it. And it's it's been quite positive, to be honest. You know, I've had all the support and so on and so forth. But I wanted to sort of speak to him and explain to him the reason why I'm doing it. And when I suffered, because when I was going through my, my dark period, even the nearest and dearest didn't have a clue. I just didn't let, him, let it on. I was always the the joker of the group, always organising get-togethers, and there was no way, always laughing and joking, but that's always the case, isn't it? It's the people that you least expect that are suffering in some kind of way, and they're the people that you need to worry about. It was a case of having to explain that, by the way, I did suffer, and it was sort of more like a, more of a shock where they're like, what, really? And I was like, well, yeah. So yeah, no, it's been good. It's been good. It's been positive. And I think it's one of those things with mental health is, to be honest, when you actually open up and talk about it, the amount of love I've been getting from people that I don't even know, and this was the, the, the biggest thing, the reason that I wanted to come out with it was so that even if it can help just one person, but the amount of love and messages and stuff I've been getting on social media from people that have either they've suffered with their mental health or unfortunately they're somebody very close to them suffered with their mental health and committed suicide. They've sort of got in touch and said, look, really well done. And we just really appreciate what you're doing. So, but I don't, I still think that there's these people that are sort of saying, well done to me, but they might be suffering in some kind of way, but they're still not at the point where they're open enough to actually go and seek help just hoping that some way or another doing what we're doing is uh, makes a difference in some kind of a way yeah and you know hopefully you know them following your page and have reached out you the first time maybe the second time they reach out to you it might be that they actually need some support and are ready to open up as as you mentioned earlier you know it was that second question or a second time the GP had asked you which had really triggered the time to to talk and that is one of the things that with with mental health or any journey is they need to know that they feel safe which is why safe spaces and individuals who have experienced poor mental health understand how to how to approach conversations and how to be mindful of how someone else is feeling um have you found that a lot of male friends or relatives have come and spoken to you about their mental health? Well, not physically, because I couldn't, we can't get out to really see anyone. Can we? <laughs> but yeah, it's, it has been it has been males, but then I've had a few cases where 
Well, I had one case in particular where a girl got in touch because a couple of times actually where the other that her dad's passed away because of poor mental health and which was linked to alcoholism and so on and so forth. And I've had a few of those as well. Um, So it's not just just men. It has been women as well. But again, even with the women, though, I'm probably contradicting myself, even with the women that actually got in contact, they were it was because of a male member of their family. So they were kind of like the middle person trying to seek advice on their behalf. Yeah, yeah. And and, and like I've said, and, and I've mentioned a few times, even on my page, I'm not a professional in, in all of this. I'm not, you know, I can't, you know, give you professional advice on it. But if you feel comfortable that you want to talk to me first before you seek help and you want to understand the benefits of seeking help, then, you know, I'm more than happy for people to get in contact with me. Yeah. And as you mentioned earlier, you know, the the professionals are professionals for a reason. They have resources and information that those with lived experience don't necessarily know of. And you don't just have one coping mechanism you've built on them since going to therapy. You know, you have your exercise, you have your your drive for your powerlifting, you have family, you have your podcast, you've built a network and a bag full of coping mechanisms. um, And you're going to continuously build on them, not just for yourself, but for your family too. So what do you think that men are lacking in the mental health industry? Do you think there's a a gap? I think it's not just within our community. I think I think it's just men in general. Um, I've been reading up on uh, on on quite a few things that why men don't open up it's it's that it's that pride and ego and then going back to our community it's that ego where you know you if you talk about your mental health you're in some way or another you're weak at some you know you're showing a weakness and you know you've got that status thing within our community and stuff as well where People think if they start talking about that, you know, people start thinking about other stuff. I was, I was, I was talking to somebody else on a podcast um, who was interviewing me. And it's that thing, isn't it, where I done a YouTube um, video, YouTube inter- interview with a good friend of mine. And uh, we, we this is where I first openly spoke about my story. And um, but OK, you can you can pretty much guarantee that somebody down the road that doesn't understand mental health within the Asian community, let's just say, have gone into work that day and said, oh, such and such a son was on there. He was talking about his mental health. Maybe he's got issues with his wife and kids or maybe he's got issues with his family when when that's not the case. Do you get what I mean? So that's that's the kind of, again, it comes back to that whole stigma, stigma kind of thing, doesn't it? So I think men feel they can't express that, they can talk about it because as a bloke, it's that whole stigma attached to it that men are strong and talking about uh, feelings and, and feeling down and, and going through depression is um, is a big no-no. It's not something that you can do. And prime example is, is, is let's say a lad's WhatsApp group and there's six, seven lads in there. If somebody turns around and says, oh, guys, I'm suffering with my mental health or I'm not feeling too good, guarantee you somebody's going to just completely change the subject or it would just be ignored or they might send them a message privately but they won't respond back in that group because it's it's that whole stigma that's sort of attached to it isn't it but now hopefully i'm hoping amongst small groups yeah yeah. or one-on-one definitely on a one-on-one basis they'll speak but i don't think it'll be a case of they'll they'll speak about it in within a larger group 
So if there was any advice or any tips that you would give out to males listening into this podcast, or even everyone will listening into this podcast, because, you know, your wife helped you in, in seeking support. Um, mm. And it's really important for those around someone who is struggling to look out for these, these triggers and these signs. What advice would you give to them to support someone they love? Um, I think it's a case of, if it's a, if it's a bloke, to be honest, you have to maybe ask that question a couple of times. I think that asking that question a couple of times, I'm not sure, what was that documentary that I just, on the BBC? Silent Emergency or something That's like that. That's the when... one, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So on, on there, they spoke about the asking that question. Are you okay, mate? No, but are you actually okay? It's asking that next sort of question. I thought that was quite powerful. Um, because that's basically what happened to me when I was at the doctors. You know, I sort of used an excuse and tried to get out of it. And then it's only when he asked me again as I was about to leave, are you okay, um, that I actually said, no, actually, I'm not. I've got an issue. So I think that's the most important thing, but it's just having those conversations and, and, and understanding what mental health actually is. And education is the, is the biggest thing. Actually read up on it, understand what actually mental health could be, because there's so many different types of ways that people could be suffering. But if it's caught early and people are actually talking about it openly, um, that would be really, really useful, I think. Do you think um, things like open group or online or virtual seminars, workshops, support groups could benefit um, a male struggling with poor mental health? I think it depends on how it's marketed because if it's sort of marketed as in, if you're suffering with your mental health, join our open group and we can talk about it. You're not going to get much of an uptake, I don't think, because it's that stigma that's attached to mental health. So I think it's a case of maybe... I think initially a very small group, small groups will work, potentially work. Um, but I think men run away from the fact once the word mental health, well, this is what I've noticed, is once the word mental health is mentioned, the barriers come up. So mm. it's sort of a kind of way of how you actually sort of present it and uh, and do it. it it's, it's a difficult one, a very difficult one. Do you think if a something like that was available for renewer in need, would you have attended if someone had recommended a workshop need. around well-being, health and well-being, rather than mental health? More than likely, probably, yeah. I probably would have. If it was labelled like that, if it was labelled that it was something to do with mental health, I wouldn't. There's no way I would have. Now I would. But <laughs> but that's a different story. But but yeah, if if at that time it was offered to me, um, I probably would have because if it was sort of labelled as in mind and fitness and well being of some sort, I probably would go. Probably would would attend. What would your last thoughts um, be to our listeners today? Um, my last thoughts would be if you're struggling in any kind of way, there is so much support and so much help out there. I mean, you guys do an amazing job at Seek Forgiveness. Um, seek help. Speak to someone. I mean, that, that there's always somebody out there that's willing to listen, even though they're least likely you think to yourself that they're going to understand because they might be going through their own battle, which you don't know of. So get help or before you even get help, 
if you feel more comfortable speaking to somebody, just speak to somebody. And the person that's actually listening, just listen. You don't need to do anything. Just listen and support that person by, you know, either telling them to seek help or just understanding, because it might just be a case of you can just nip this all in the bud by just talking to someone and it just make a massive difference. And finally, exercise. Exercise as much as you possibly can because that is scientifically proven that it will always help with your uh, mental health, increases your serotonin levels and so on and so forth. So get yourself out, even if your mind says no, before your mind even has any time to register, get your joggers on, get your hoodie on and get out the door. Thank you so much. Your exercise is just linked to everything in health overall. <laughs> it's just everything is exercise. And I think I think exercise has such a bad name because it's always linked to weight loss. Yeah, exactly. And then there you go. You've and got another stigma always, there, haven't it's you? It's not something about... Yeah, yeah, you've got another stigma there, haven't you? Weight loss. If it, wasn't and this, so, if it wasn't so linked to weight loss, I think a lot of people would enjoy it more and realise actually it's just helping me overall. But you also make friends through weight yeah. loss um, exercise as well. Exactly. People exactly. who are like-minded, people will be open about it's, talking. It's the... Thank you so much. Where can people no find problem. you? Yes, yeah, so I am on Instagram. So on Instagram, I am Bali underscore Sing underscore Chima. So follow me on there. I also have quite a bit of stuff on there with regards to my podcast. So Bali Chima Lift Your Life, um, which is available on all platforms. I sound like a marketing tool now, which is available on all platforms. So um, it's available on Spotify. It's available on Amazon Music. It's available on Apple Podcasts and occasionally. I will also put a full interview up on YouTube as well. Um, but if you need to just get in contact with me, Instagram is probably the best way. I have got a Facebook page um, as well, which is just Bali Chima, but I'm more active on Instagram. And where can people find you with regards to future competitions or anything like that? Would that all be all on your everything. social media platforms? Yeah, yeah, ev- yeah. everything's on my social media platform. Um I'm, I'm quite new to to all this so as in trying to put content out there um, but last week I actually put a content out which was a full day of eating from a powerlifter so maybe that'll be quite interesting for some people I've had quite a bit of feedback on that as well um, but yeah so I'm, I'm hoping now the gyms are back open again and uh, there'll be some more content on there with me training and and pushing on uh, to compete as well and also main thing for me is going to be around the mental health side of things so anybody that's suffering out there anybody that just wants to quick chat or anything like that drop me a message I'm, I'm always more than happy to help in some way or another thank you so much Bali it's been such a pleasure talking to you and learning all about your journey especially how powerlifting and your family have been so supportive and it's been such an honor to have you on our podcast thank you again thank you so much thank you very much mm-hmm.